0: David mourns his friend Jonathan before war breaks out in the land. David rules in Judah, but another man claims the throne over Israel. On The Bible Brief The Bible Brief is a project of the Bible Literacy Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Are you learning the Bible in a new way? If you are, consider giving toward the mission. Donate today at BibleLit.org. the song David taught to the men of Judah upon hearing of the deaths of Saul and Jonathan. Your glory, O Israel, is slain on your high places, how the mighty have fallen! Tell it not in Gath, publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in luxurious scarlet who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished. Israel lost a king in the battle against Philistia but David lost his best friend. Faithful Jonathan was of such a heart to make a loyalty covenant with David, who saw David as the rightful king, even as his father was on the throne. Jonathan had saved David's life, encouraged him, and ultimately looked forward to being his closest advisor when David finally took the throne. But David's friend, a friend whose love towards David carried a greater weight than any woman could attain, his friend and confidant, was dead upon Mount Gilboa. The Philistines had killed both he and his father Saul, and David couldn't help but mourn. Mourn not just for Jonathan, but even for Saul. Though Saul had treated David wickedly in life, David honored him in death. The man after God's heart took no pleasure in Saul's death, even as it opened the way for his rise to the throne. And David would indeed rise. The shepherd of sheep the warrior for Israel, the musician of the lyre, and the fugitive from Saul, would soon become the next king of Israel. A king with an impact that reverberates through the rest of the Bible story. David would be king, but his kingship would start with war. fighting began soon after David was anointed as king in Judah. Judah's southern territory was only one of the twelve territorial allotments of the land, and David's kingship starts in this small way. He's only king over his own tribe. He's anointed in Judah while someone else is made king over the rest of Israel. The northern king's name is Ishbosheth, and he is a son of Saul. The commander of Saul's army, a man named Abner, had escaped death at the hands of the Philistines and was able to return further into Israelite territory in order to regroup the forces of the Israelite army. But as part of this process, he needed continued authority to lead the forces. Apparently, he saw opportunity to retain his position of leadership and influence by aiding Saul's son Ishbosheth to assume the throne after the death of his father. These two thrones, David's in Judah and Ishbosheth's in the land of Israel, are at war. A war with Israelites, killing Israelites, and a battle over leadership. On one side is God's anointed king, and on the other is Ishbosheth, a leader shown to be impotent in the face of David's inevitable rule. We read this in Second Samuel chapter three. There was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, and David grew stronger and stronger, while the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. This war tugged at the threads that threatened to pull the nation apart. Judah was the tribe of the ancient promised king, while Israel was the co-inheritor of all the other promises. Judah was the tribe of the Yahweh-anointed King David, while Israel was the nation of Yahweh's previously anointed King Saul. Battle lines were drawn, blood was shed, and what could have been a permanent split came together due to the suspicions of the northern king of Israel. Ishbosheth, Accuses his commander Abner of impropriety towards one of his father's concubines. We read this beginning in verse 6. While there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul. Now Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? Then Abner was very angry over the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head of Judah? To this day I keep showing steadfast love to the house of Saul your father, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not given you into the hand of David. And yet you charge me today with a fault concerning a woman. God do so to Abner and more also, if I do not accomplish for David what the Lord has sworn to him, to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah. And ish could not answer Abner another word, because he feared him. It's unknown whether this charge by Ishbosheth had any basis in reality, but his charge is an accusation equivalent to saying that Abner's trying to usurp the throne. He accuses Abner of sleeping with Saul's concubine, and Abner's anger boils at the king. Either he was caught in his scheming, or he was faithful and loyal, being accused of a heinous act of treason." In any case, Abner replies with words that would spell the end of Ishbosheth's reign. He essentially says, Am I a traitor? I've been loyal to all Saul's house, yet you accuse me of a crime. I'm done with you, Ishbosheth. Yahweh said David should be king, and now I will help David rise. Even in the potentially false accusations of a weak king, God is working to bring David to rule over all Israel. Soon Abner sends messengers to David, and they arrange a meeting between the two men. The commander of Israel's army is coming to meet with the king of Judah. Before he arrives, however, he has a meeting with the elders of Israel to advise them on what's about to happen. He says that David will indeed be king over all of them. And rather than resisting, Israel seems ready for this war to conclude and for the reign of Ishbosheth to come to a swift end. Apparently, Ishbosheth wasn't a very good king at all. Next at this meeting between the two men, Abner promises this to David. He says, I will arise and go and will gather all Israel to my lord the king, that they may make a covenant with you, and that you may reign over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. You can imagine the exhales of the people in the room as Abner left their presence. The long war was finally coming to a close. It had been seven years since David began reigning as king over Judah, and now he was about to reign over all Israel. Thanks to Abner, peace would finally be achieved. Well, maybe. Soon after Abner leaves the presence of the king, one of David's commanders comes in the room, livid at what he's heard from the others. David allowed their enemy to go away in peace? The commander, named Joab, says this to David. What have you done? Behold, Abner came to you. Why is it that you have sent him away so that he is gone? You know that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you and to know your going out and your coming in and to know all that you are doing. Joab claims that Abner was no more than a spy and a deceiver, hoping to know the ways of David's house and his army to find a strategic weakness. He's angry that David has accepted this man's peace, and Joab leaves the king's presence, but soon this commander does something behind the back of the king. We read this in verse 26. When Joab came out from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner, and they brought him back from the cistern of Sirah. But David did not know about it. And when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the midst of the gate to speak with him privately, and there he struck him in the stomach, so that he died for the blood of his brother, whom Abner had killed in the war. Joab's anger toward David wasn't necessarily because Abner was a spy. Rather, it was because he was a hothead with a purpose for vengeance. Joab wanted Abner's blood to avenge his brother, and David had just let him slip away. So taking matters into his own hands, Joab slays Abner after peace had just been negotiated. One man's thirst for vengeance put the negotiated peace on a knife's edge. Could peace be had when the commander of Israel's army was assassinated by one of David's men? Then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, Tear your clothes and put on sackcloth and mourn before Abner. They buried Abner at Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. And the king lamented for Abner, saying, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not fettered. As one falls before the wicked, you have fallen. And all the people wept again over him. Then all the people came to persuade David to eat bread while it was yet day. But David swore, saying, God do so to me and more also, if I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down. And all the people took notice of it, and it pleased them, as everything that the king did pleased all the people. So all the people and all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's will to put to death Abner, the son of Ner. David's demonstration of true mourning before the people shows that he wasn't at fault for this breach of peace. Instead, his lamentation lays bare his innocence in the whole matter. Though Abner is dead, David's mourning ensures the continuity of the negotiated peace. Meanwhile, however, up in the north, Ishbosheth hears of the demise of his most valued commander, the one who secured his grip upon the throne. Ishbosheth almost certainly sees that his days as king are numbered. Little does he know that even those days will be cut short. In the heat of the day, two men, captains in his force, come into his chamber while he's resting. The two men sneak up, stab him in the stomach, and decapitate Ishbosheth before escaping with the king's head. And soon they're hightailing it out of there and heading to Judah. The two men proudly present the head of Ishbosheth to David, no doubt expecting a reward for their effort. But David reacts just how we've come to expect. Vengeance is for Yahweh, and not for man to carry out himself. David answered the two men, As the Lord lives who has redeemed my life out of every adversity, when one previously told me, Behold, Saul is dead, and thought he was bringing good news, I seized him and killed him at Ziklag, which was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more, when wicked men have killed a righteous man in his own house on his bed, Shall I not now require his blood at your hand and destroy you from the earth? And David commanded his young men, and they killed them and cut off their hands and feet and hanged them beside the pool at Hebron. But they took the head of ish and buried it in the tomb of Abner. The man after God's own heart would not applaud the actions of wicked, ambitious men. Instead, he demands their blood in return for their murder of Saul's son, their former king. David himself had been given many opportunities to take out Saul, but he always trusted, not in his sword or his own power to achieve the kingship. David trusted in Yahweh. Yahweh would deliver the kingdom to him. Yahweh would remove the roadblocks. Yahweh, the king over everything, was sovereign and powerful. Yahweh is the God who writes history through the free decisions of people, usurping their intentions and accomplishing his own purposes through this war, through Abner and through Ishbosheth, God had paved the way for a new united kingdom in Israel. David's reign is about to begin. Join us next time as David rises to the throne of Israel and the nation gets a new capital. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.